Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's Monday here on the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We've got Ray Fittipaldo. We're going to talk about the updates in the offensive coordinator search, as well as an early look at the Senior Bowl and who the Steelers are looking at in the NFL draft. Ray's headed to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. We'll get a look with him before he goes there. And we'll talk about what happened in the playoffs and all the crazy things that went down and how the Chiefs will be playing the Niners for the Super Bowl. All that here more on the North Shore Drive podcast. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday daily content from the Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, as well as the Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast. As always, the show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. Go to Mike's Beer Bar today for, to try one of their 500 different available beers. 300 of those beers are from the local area, and 80 of those local beers are available on tap. you got to try Mike's Beer Bar out today, the best bar in Pittsburgh. As I said before, we're joined by Ray Fittipaldo, who's coming to us here. We'll get to his upcoming trip to Mobile, Alabama in a bit. But, Ray, we got to talk about the updates in the offensive coordinator search because that is kind of ter- like the, 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 the number one objective for the Steelers to accomplish right now is to find the new mind that will lead the offensive side of the ball. And we know that they've interviewed Arthur Smith, former head coach of the Falcons, but Zach Robinson, who was the first person that we had heard that they were interviewing uh, or that they wanted to interview, has taken a job to be with the Falcons with Raheem Morris following – uh, another Sean McVayite to, uh, to to a new job there. What's your what's your what what's your insight on one uh, Arthur Smith and where the Steelers' offensive coordinator search stands? So really, a contrasting candidate compared to the first three targets, Chris. Uh, you just mentioned Zach Robinson, of course, going with the Falcons now, and uh, Raheem Morris. Uh, he only had quarterback uh, position coaching experience. Gerard Johnson, another candidate, only um, quarterbacks coaching experience and even a short resume. I mean, it's only a couple years long. And then, of course, Thomas Brown, one year as an OC and then, um, you know, really just uh, no play calling experience beyond that. So when you look at Arthur Smith, I think, you know, if if you're looking for OC experience, play calling experience, um, which Mike Tomlin said he preferred, you would assume that maybe Arthur Miss uh, Arthur Smith is you know one of their top targets. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say he's their top target, but 
you would have to think that that would put him maybe in one of the front runner positions um, for this job. So I, I like it. You know, a lot of people are down on Arthur Smith after going seven and 10 for all three years of his tenure with the Falcons. But mm-hmm. Chris, if you look at what he did in 2019 and 2020, yes, especially 2019, 2019, um, that run to the AFC championship game had a big lead on the chiefs early in that game mm-hmm. before it kind of fell apart on them. And even 2020, I know I, they didn't have success in the playoffs. They had a, a home playoff loss to the Ravens, but Chris, I think they were number three in scoring, yeah. number four or five in total offense. So they, they were, they were a top 10 offense in, in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, two years that he was their offensive coordinator. He had a that, that's a good track record. That's what got him hired. You know, he obviously it didn't work out as a head coach. We talked about this <laughs> with Kingsbury. You know, same thing. Like, well, Kingsbury was an, an NFL OC before he what before he was anything. But maybe there are guys like Arthur Smith who you know what they might be a really good offensive coordinator, but just can't do the head coaching gig. Yeah, I mean, and that's okay. I mean, as long as he can run an NFL offense and get the most out of Kenny Pickett and the the skill position players that are here, that's that, that's all the job entails. So we'll see what happens in the process here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, as far as the candidates who have surfaced, um, you know, Robinson, Johnson, uh, Smith, and Brown, I think Smith and Brown are probably two of my early favorites, but I think Brown – excuse me, Smith, given his experience, is probably number one at this point. No, I agree. I mean, Smith with his, with his experience. Mike Tomlin said that was a priority, right? And you know, and figuring that out um, moving forward. And I, I've talked about this on. I talked about this on Channel Eleven last night on the Final Word. But um, if you look, if you look at how these coordinators are, you look at Johnson, you look at Robinson, you look at Kingsbury. You know, even though Robinson is out the picture, those guys are more like quarterback guys. Like they're they're, they're quarterback whispers, they're quarterback coaches, and they're looking to take the step up to become an offensive coordinator. Both Thomas Brown and um, uh, Arthur Smith have been offensive coordinators before, and they're not quarterback whisperers. They're, you know, Brown is a is a running backs coach turned coordinator. Uh, Smith is a tight ends coach tor- turned coordinator, and it makes me wonder if the Steelers are kind of just weighing both sides of the equation. Like, do we want a guy who's going to be specifically just really good at developing a quarterback and hope that he either gets his hands on Kenny and get you know makes Kenny pick it better, or if he gets whatever quarterback that they bring in better, or do they want a guy who's just makes a system really strong because you know Arthur Smith his success with the with with the Titans as an offensive coordinator wasn't about making Ryan Tannehill look amazing it was they had Derrick Henry they had some decent weapons and he was able to make that offense look really balanced which to me that's what the Steelers need right now is an offense that can run through a good running game with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. They have good playmakers in Fryermuth, Johnson, and Pickens. And if Kenny Pickett can just play at a at a you know a, a average above average, just slightly slightly above average to above average level, it makes this. I think that will make this offense really good. They also need to get stronger in the offensive line of them. Yeah, Arthur Smith is a former college offensive lineman in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Also coached the offensive line under Mike Munchak. So. You know he knows how to draw up a running game, and you know his philosophies would would align with Andy Weidel and Omar Khan in terms of what he wants. Um, you know, up front, you know, he, you know, under Mike Vrabel, they were a tough, physical, strong football team that loved to play that way. So I, I think philosophically it would be a good fit. Um, but to your point, I, I, you know, I think the quarterbacks coach aspect of this is important, Chris. And I'm not saying 
um, the, the OC has to have that kind of a background, but you definitely want a quarterback's coach in here who knows how to get the best out of Kenny Pickett. So, you know, I don't know, would, would Johnson come here for for an upgrade in position if he's a passing game coordinator, uh, you know, to Arthur Smith? And, you know, could they, could they lure him that way? Could they get somebody else to come in and do that? So, you know, that's mm. – I think that's what's to be determined here. Um, again, I still think they're fairly early on in this process. Um, you know, they could make a hire at any time. They are Rooney role compliant, having interviewed Johnson and Brown. So they theoretically could make a hire at any time. But if you look at what Mike Tomlin said at the beginning of this process, Chris, um, he wanted to be thorough and he wanted to be a learning process. So after only interviewing three guys, I, I don't think he would go back on that. I still think there's probably more to come. I, yeah, I agree with that. Clint Kubiak is a name that everyone's waiting to see where he goes. You know, he's a guy who he was an offensive coordinator for a year with the, with the Broncos, then became, you know, the pass game coordinator or specialist or whatever he's called for the, for the Niners. And now everyone wants, wants a piece of him because they want to, they want to get some of the magic that he brought with Brock Purdy. And that's another guy who made a system really good for a game manager type quarterback. Uh, he's now officially interviewed with the saints. And I think there's a lot of people wondering why haven't the Steelers brought him in Ray, you've covered, you know, offensive coordinator searches before. What is the complexity between you? One, do you think the Steelers do at least kick the, you know, just just give this a shot in talking to a guy like that? And two, you know, what what would be the thing that might be holding them back from doing this? Well, I mean, it's just when you're involved in playing in a Super Bowl, uh, Chris, it's just really hard. As you know, mm -hmm. this week coming up is the big game planning week. This is when everything, all the work is done for the coaches, all the X's and O's, drawing up the schemes um, to try to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They'll tinker with that once they get to Vegas, but all of that work is being done this week. So, you know, could he interview at night with the Steelers? Yeah, but you would think maybe, um, you know, when he's a little, little bit less busy that, um, you know, they could find some time to, to have a thorough interview. So um, that one might have to wait. Um, obviously he did it one last week with the saints when, when they were playing for a conference championship game. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I would think he would want to be focused on the super bowl this week. If he does one with the Steelers or any other team, I think it'd probably be something in the form of a zoom. You know, I don't think he would come to Pittsburgh obviously this week or next. So maybe they could do something preliminary preliminarily on a zoom or a phone call, but, uh, you know, if they want to do a more thorough one, it may have to wait. That's where, I, that's where I feel like that the two is like it's just a tough position with what they would want there. Um, but I again, I think that they, they've been ca casting a wide net. They've been trying to bring other people in. I also think it's possible that some of these guys that they're talking to, you know, whereas, like you said, they want a more experienced offensive coordinator as the guy leading the room. But maybe they're also looking for like what happened, you know, what if we can get a guy in the future? And we know who the, we knew who we want because we've talked to them before. Or maybe right. one of these guys can end up being one of the guys under this offensive coordinator who they yeah. who they do hire. So I think a lot of this is just turning over stones, doing their due diligence, doing their 
research to see who they can bring in. We'll keep you updated with the offensive coordinator search here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Read all the work at post-gazette.com. But we also got to talk about the Senior Bowl and the NFL Draft. Ray's going to be headed to the Senior Bowl. We'll get a look at a lot of the uh, lot of the lot of the names that aren't necessarily top top first round picks, but guys who are going to be big conversations in the early part of the, the draft. That's all going to happen at the Senior Bowl. We'll get Ray's early insight on that on the other side of this first break here at the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host Chris Carter. But first, I want to remind you this show is brought to you by by, by uh, Mike's Beer Bar on the North Shore, the best bar in Pittsburgh. Go down to Mike's Beer Bar. It's right on Federal Street, across from PNC Park. It's the perfect place for you to go with your friends, hang out, enjoy some good sports, and enjoy some good beer. When you go to Mike's Beer Bar, they have over 20 televisions. So whatever game you want to watch, you can get it on a specific television, whether it's college basketball, NBA, and NHL, whatever you want, the Super Bowl, Mike's Beer Bar is the is the place to be. And while you're there, you can sample one of 500 different available beers, 300 of those beers from the local area, and the 80 of those local beers are available on tap. And they're always switching new things in and out of the taps so that you have new options every single week, whether you like sours, IPA, pale ales, Hefeweizens, whatever your, whatever's your jam, they've got there. So head down to Mike's Beer Bar today. They also have amazing food like steak and seafood on a stone where a heated stone is where your meat comes out. You cut it off, you press it into the stone. You choose hell well done. You want every single bite. It's the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. So go down to Mike's Beer Bar in the North Shore, and when you get there, tell them Chris sent you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back here in the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, talking all things Steelers. Let's take a look at the NFL draft. So we'll get to Mobile in a second here, Ray. But you wrote a, broke, wrote a breakdown of the of the deep, deep prospects at several different positions of need that the Steelers could be looking at here that could benefit them. And the positions that you listed were quarterback, offensive <coughs> tackle, receiver, cornerback, and interior offensive line being center or guard here. If the Steelers are to get anything in this draft class, what do you think is the most likely look in the first round with how you see things playing out? And this is very early in the process. We still haven't seen the senior bowl, the combine, and all the other things. But what's your first look as far as what they're probably going to be targeting with their first pick? You know, Chris, it's it's so hard to say. I mean, let's frame it. Let's frame it this way. Let's frame it their top needs going into this aspect of, of, of the draft process. Mm. And, you know, some of these needs will be filled via free agency. And obviously some of these draft prospects won't be considered in the first round, but I think you could make a case for cornerback uh, being, being a first round mm. option for them. Uh, Levi Wallace is a free agent. Um, I cannot see them picking up almost a $10 million cap hit on Patrick Peterson. So you're going to need another starting outside corner to go with Joey Porter and then two other possibilities for me, offensive tackle in the first round, double down two years in a row after getting Broderick Jones at 14 overall, I think you could certainly do that again. Or, um, you know, Chris, you can go um, with defensive line. The only issue with defensive line, it's not a deep draft for defensive linemen. So there's, I looked at a couple of mock drafts, like Mel Kuyper had one D lineman going, 
Daniel Jeremiah had two. So the likelihood of you landing that guy when you're picking a 20, I don't know what the odds are. So we'll have to see how that goes. But I, I think those are the th top three needs for the Steelers as we get started here with the 2024 draft talk. Yeah, I think it's going to be certainly interesting to see what they prioritize because <laughs> there's so many positions that the Steelers kind of need to address, you know, on, on either side of the ball. Um, you know, cornerback, like you said, pairing someone with Joey Porter Jr. would be, would be, I think, very important for what they want to do on defense and having a person there. Um, you know, interior offensive line, they need a center so badly. You know, I think if a good center changes a lot for the offense, especially the run game. Uh, if they can get strength up the middle, uh, they haven't had that with Mason Cole. I think you know, he was a guy that when he was at his best, he was kind of part of the rising tide. Like, you know, he was the boat that rose with, with that rose with the tide rather than being the catalyst for their improvements. Like Isaac Samalo and Broderick Jones and James Daniels were at times. Um, so they're there. But no one can deny the offensive tackle and quarterback are big, are big things that the Steelers have to look at you know Dan Moore Jr you know you cannot I, I think if you go in with him as your projected starter without a, a rookie that's coming to take his spot soon you're putting yourself in a, in a rough spot and you need to pair Roderick Jones with somebody uh, I think that that's that's another priority but quarterback is the tricky position of this draft class because you're right there's depth there there's 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 big names you know you can look at guys like Penix guys like Knicks guys like McCarthy uh you know Jaden Daniels I, I don't think this the Steelers are going to be in position to go get you know of course guys like Caleb Williams or Drake May maybe right. Jaden Daniels falls a bit you know you know we don't we never know how things shake out on yeah. a, on draft day but where do you think that the, the the move that they should make at quarterback is right now? Should they get extra aggressive and try to get just get their guy in the first round? Anything is possible, Chris. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what they're thinking there in terms of Kenny Pickett. You know, Mike was said what he said the day after they lost to the Bills. But, you know, inside those meeting rooms on the south side, um, we don't know exactly how they're feeling. So do I think they would address it in the first round? No, I, I don't think they could. They could do that given so many other needs on this roster. But second round or after, you know, I, I could see that happening. Um, I don't know if a guy like McCarthy or Penix or Knicks would fall that far. I, I doubt yeah. it given the early early returns on, you know, their draft stock. But uh, I pointed out, you know, in 2020, that was Andy Weidel's first time running the Eagles draft. Um, he went there in 2016 or 2017. Boy. And I think he was like assistant VP of personnel. He was actually VP of personnel, ran the draft in 2020. And uh, Carson Wentz was coming off an okay year, 27 mm -hmm. touchdowns, seven interceptions. I think they were nine and seven. Can't remember if they made the playoffs or not, but it was a decent season for Carson Wentz. And they went out and took Jalen Hurts with the number 53 overall pick. And obviously look at, look at what's transpired since then. I know Jalen Hurts, didn't have a great year this year, but he took the Eagles uh, to the Super Bowl last year and came within, uh, you know, a break here, a break there of actually bringing another Super Bowl to, to, to the city of Philadelphia. So um, I, I will never, ever underestimate um, what this new front office is thinking. We have to get out of the, the notion that, well, the Steelers do things this way because we had Kevin Colbert for like two decades. I think we have to sort of have an open mind about that, but, for me, Chris, I, I still can't see first round, but like I said, second round or after, sure, I'm not closing the door on that. 
Yeah, I think that that's it's something the Steelers will keep the door open. And I think there's it's the general rule of quarterback. You just have to get it right once, and then you're good for 10, 15 years. And that's what the Steelers are still trying to figure <laughs> out. That's what the Steelers are hoping that they had in Kenny Pickett, and they haven't found that yet. And I think that they're not going to give up on Kenny Pickett just yet, but I do think this is like the last year that Kenny Pickett has to prove that before that they make a, a considerable investment to just fix that position um, right. as a whole. But – I, you know, I think it's also going to be an interesting weighing point because here's the thing. You take a guy like you, you take you take say you take a first round guy, like you take a top flight corner, you take a top flight offensive tackle, then you go to the second round. The second round is the sweet spot to find good centers in this draft. Like, yeah. like they, I, I don't think you're not drafting a center in the first round this year. There's just like the guys that we've seen, they're not of that caliber. Uh, like there's no super dominant center that's obviously a first round pick this year. But if you go to the second round and you take that quarterback, you better have added a center in free agency. Otherwise, Mason Cole will be your starter next year. And I think that's the tricky position that they're in is that, yeah. you know, if they if they make that investment at quarterback, they'll be they'll be sacrificing another position on the field unless they fix that other position in free agency. Yeah, and then, you know, we could talk about this, obviously, as we get closer to March, but there are some okay options um, in free agency. I You know, I don't know if the Broncos are going to re-sign Lloyd Cushenberry. But, uh, you know, he would be one guy that, um, you know, maybe you could bring in. Um, but I think you're right. You know, um, uh, you got uh, Powers Jackson, who's uh, from mm -hmm. Oregon. He's he's mm -hmm. right now you probably see him as the number one center, but it's close. You know, Zach Frazier is coming off that injury. I think he's in the top three. And then you have uh, Cedric uh, Van Praan from, from Georgia. Those are probably the top three guys. And you see those guys anywhere, you know, I don't want to say early second round, but, you know, sort of like in the 40s or 50s, you'll see maybe some of those guys starting to come off the board. Um, you rarely see, you know, uh, Powers Jackson or Van Praan still, you know, I think they'll be gone by the end of the second round. So you're yeah. right. If you don't, it, it, you know, Frazier's a different story because he's injured. We don't, you know, the medicals on him are going to be important. So yeah. you just look at the first two, you're right. If you're going to make that move, you probably have to get it at, number 50 and then what if there's a run on centers and you're they're gone in the 40s and then what do you do if you don't sign a free agent so you know they have to be prepared going into the offseason if they think they can get by with mason cole for one more year um maybe drafting center will be a luxury or maybe they just figure hey if we hit it right if our guys there we'll take them but um you know it's a difficult position there there aren't a lot of great centers in this draft and like you said, the really good ones are probably going to be gone um, by the end of round two, if not uh, maybe middle of round three with Frazier given his his leg injury. That's going to be the tricky part of this is figuring out what, where that where that's going to be. Real quick here, Ray, you're going down in the, in the Senior Bowl. Do you have early names that you're at least keeping an eye on of guys who you know are Senior Bowl invites? Because there's always guys that get brought in at the last second to be added yeah. on. But are there guys that you're looking at just that you're curious how they perform? Yeah, Van Praan and uh, Powers Jackson will be there, so I'll be watching the centers. Um, a couple of good tackles are going to be there. Um, you know, unfortunately, receivers, a lot of the, the very good receivers in this draft are underclassmen, but, you know, looking at the offensive tackles, I don't have the list in front of me. I have top 10 offensive tackles, I think three or four will be um, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, the kid from Oregon State, uh, the Samoan kid will be there. Um, the, the other Samoan kid from, from Washington, uh, Fanatu will be there. So 
um, you know, tackles um, and centers. They'll have uh, my attention down there. And cornerbacks, too. There's a couple of good ones. The kid from Toledo, uh, I think his name's Mitchell, Quinion Mitchell, um, will, will be there. And a couple of other guys who are like in that late first, early second round conversation for cornerbacks, too. So it's a good year to be going down to the, to the Senior Bowl, given what the Steelers' needs are for this roster. Absolutely. I want to talk more about that with Ray as, when he gets down there. So we'll have him back to talk senior bowl. But I want to talk about Ray with the playoffs because there are some crazy things <clears> that happen outside outside of the Steelers in the NFL. We'll get to both sides of that uh, to what set up the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Niners here on the North Shore Drive podcast on the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, stick with us. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Back here in the North Shore Drive podcast on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato. Ray, let's talk about what happened in the playoffs here. Let's start with the AFC. Uh, the the Chiefs finding a way to pull it out again. And, uh, you know, I, I thought this might have been the year going into the playoffs. I thought this might have been the year like, all right, the Chiefs are finally not going to be the, the talk of the town and going to be running the AFC because they hadn't had a strong year. And then all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs does his thing again. He gets yeah. hot against the Dolphins. He outperforms Josh Allen against the Bills, and then they pull it out. Now, granted, they won 17-10, so it wasn't just Patrick Mahomes. That Chiefs defense came to play for real. I thought they made good second-half adjustments in this game. But in your eyes, Lamar Jackson, another playoff loss, how yeah. much of that game was on him? He threw a terrible interception late in the game, but he also yeah. threw a pass that should have been a touchdown if Zay Flowers just doesn't fumble at the one-yard line. Where do you see Lamar Jackson as a you know as a big time quarterback in the NFL? I mean, even if Zay Flowers gets in there, Chris, I mean, seventeen points. I mean, you you got to be more explosive than that in the postseason um, if you're going to be a true Super Bowl mm-hmm. contender. I, you know, I'm not pinning this loss on Lamar Jackson, um, but I'm probably more apt to pin it on Zay Flowers. I mean, he just total knucklehead move to, to yeah. get a taunting call. In that situation, and then, and then yeah. cut his hand after his fumble yeah. by slamming it like that. That that dude was losing it. Yeah, I mean that's just uh, you know finally when they get a good receiver, it turns out like he's a hothead. You know, so they <laughs> the, the Ravens can't win. They they, they can't scout receivers. They finally you know uh, they finally find one, and then it turns out that uh, he's a head case. So um, you know it's I, I've seen that before from Lamar. You know I think. Anyone who watches those Steelers Ravens games since Lamar's come into the league, they they can make him look that way. Um, he looks great against other teams. So I don't know if the Chiefs took a page out of the Steelers playbook. Um, Spagnuolo doesn't need to. I mean, he's got a great defense in his own right. But um, I just felt like I saw that movie be- movie before when I was watching kind of the meltdown that uh, you know Lamar and, and Zay Flowers had in the second half of that football game. Uh, surely, I, I agree with you there. Like. It's just it's just so funny to me because uh, Dan Orlovsky during the game tweets out uh, only only the uh, 
the Chiefs have done this to Lamar Jackson and beating them 17-10. And it's like, well, wait, 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 wait a second. Didn't the Steelers just just do that earlier this year? They've also beaten the Ravens seven of the last eight times and in all of those wins, uh, except for I think one time in November of 2020. And that was another that was a game Lamar Jackson didn't play. But in all those wins, they held the Ravens to under 20 points. So it's uh, you yeah. know, it is kind of thing. But Steve Stack Spagnolo, he might be the best defensive coordinator in the NFL right now with the way that the Chiefs are playing. They are they are humming at a high level and they have big guys. You know, Chris Jones is a big factor. Carl Loftus has been playing very well. Jerry Sneed has been playing very well. Willie Gay, but they've been having guys play all over the place. They're doing really well. Um, they're going to be a tough team to beat in the Super Bowl. And that's crazy to think because, you know, if you had said that a month ago, someone would have been like, you're crazy in that situation. Uh, but let's talk about the NFC side of things and less about the Niners winning the game, more about the Lions losing it after a 17-point yeah. second-half lead. Ray, all the talk in sports right now is, did Dan Campbell blow it? by not kicking the field goals or no that's that's how aggressive he should have been because of analytics and you always go for it and that's what you should do where do you stand on this debate as far as you take the points in the playoffs dan campbell blew it 100 <laughs> percent. no one uh you could be whatever analytics guy whatever i mean there's plenty of people who are of your generation chris i don't know where you stand on it but that 35 and under crowd. Um, that, uh, a lot of those people think they invented football. Yeah, uh, they didn't invent football. And this just goes to show you um, the Detroit Lions could have been up 17 points with 22 minutes to play. And I, I know what the percentages said. Somebody from ESPN tweeted out it was pretty much a wash, you know, 90% victory rate if you kick there, 90% victory rate if you go for it there. So I understand that, but what the analytics crowd doesn't take into effect or into account is the momentum and just, you know, how teams respond to those situations. So I thought that um, when Reynolds dropped that pass, I thought it gave them life. And then just things began to snowball against the lions and they couldn't, they couldn't stop the snowball from going downhill. So I understand Dan Campbell played that way. The entire season. That's a lot of people's rationale. Of, oh, you play one way, you can't change. Well, no, you got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. It's not being conservative. Go up 17 points and give yourself a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And uh, like I said, Dan Campbell blew that. And much in the same way Dan Quinn blew the Super Bowl against the Patriots, I don't know that he's ever going to get over it. I know. I, I agree. Uh, sorry. I thought you were continuing there. My bad. But I, I agree. I, so here's the thing. I am of the opinion like I'm yes, I'm under 35 and I'm part of that news, but I'm not I'm not of the rely on the analytics crowd. I think that there's times where you where anal analytics can be used to determine things that we didn't understand before to can take things into consideration, but they should not erase classic things that you know, claim the game. like it, it against especially in against that team that they're playing on the road, in their house. The Niners are a really good team. You have to keep your foot on their throats. And in that situation, if you miss, if you kick the field goal and you miss it, I don't think that that's as much of a, of a momentum boost as missing, missing that on fourth down. And I think that you, if you hit that field goal, like you said, you go up 17 points, then the Niners, even if they get a, a, a touchdown on that next drive, guess what? They're still down two scores there and you have time to kind of, you know, base things else. And again, even if they hit just one of those two field goals they didn't take, 
they, they, it's a tie game at the end of the game, and and they 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 can kick it deep and go to overtime. Um, so it, it's just it, I think it, it was those those were mistakes mistakes on his part. I also thought the choosing to run on third down. Uh, when they were at the goal line, which put them in a spot where they had to get the onside kick to have a chance to win. I felt like that was a tough call there. But I also feel like this, Ray, because the counter argument to people say was, well, listen, yeah, that's that's how the lines have been all year. They've been a team that goes for it on fourth down. They just they play that aggressive style of ball. And there were so many plays the Lions players didn't make, like Josh Reynolds dropping the first down on one of the fourth down passes, Jamison Williams dropping a touchdown, uh, the, the bounce pass that went right off of a Lions defensive back's face mask into the hands of uh, Brandon Ayuk for, for, that set him up for a touchdown. There were so many plays that I agree the Lions played play for. I don't think that Dan Campbell by himself lost the Lions the game. But I do think he made big mistakes that led to, to, to that loss. And that's where I, I don't think it should be valued above everything. Like, I think there's too many times we just say, a coach, it's all on this guy. It's all on this guy. When it's like, man, you know what? If Jamar if Jameer Gibbs doesn't fumble right after that first touchdown, the Lions yeah. might win that game. There's so many things yeah. that had to happen. But I agree with you in that knowing the situation as a head coach against a team that's as good as the Niners, that is what a part of what a head coach needs to do. And listen. Campbell, this is what his second, third year as a head coach for the for the Lions. Third, He's still yeah. building in what he'll do. I think that this is can be a learning experience, and it'll be interesting to see if he ever gets to this point again in the yeah. playoffs and takes the a different decision. Listen, any coach, I don't care what level you're at, there there is a there's a gut feel to coaching in certain situations, Chris. And you just can't read a sheet that uh some front office guy from the Ivy League hands you and say, okay, <laughs> this is what I have to do. I mean, that's just – I agree. That, that doesn't that, that doesn't work in, in high-level professional sports. I'll give you one example. Sure. This is probably before you were born. But oh. um, the, the Pirates in 1979, the World Series championship team. Definitely before I was born. John Milner came to the plate, lefty on lefty, and Chuck Tanner just had a hunch. It was a big game, September uh, – Pennant race, you know, the, the Pirates needed it to, you know, to win the pennant. And he pinch hit Milner in a lefty-on-lefty situation. I think he hit it off Tug McGraw, and he hit a grand slam that helped the Pirates get into the playoffs. So it's not always going by the percentages. Sometimes you just have to have, to have a gut feel. You have to kind of just coach with your instincts. And I think a lot of times, you know, guys like Dan Campbell and many others now who are put in these positions – simply are taught to read off a sheet and, oh, it says I have to do this, I'm going to do this. And that's that's not the right way to coach a football team. And, uh, you know, it cost the Detroit Lions a, a berth in the Super Bowl. And like I said, I don't think they're going to get over this easily. They, they got a good thing going on, but they're going to lose their OC. I don't know what their cap situation is, free agent situation, but um, I would be surprised if they get back under Dan Campbell. That's just a devastating loss given the circumstances in the lead that they had. I know. I agree with it. It's devastating. And those type of things are not easy to get over. You know, there's plenty of teams that have been in situations where they're like, Hey, we finally got to the place that we, that we, we had a chance to, you know, make our, make our claim and then don't get back to there. And, and it was, was what I think, what I think is good for Dan Campbell though, is that he told his team that he's like, Hey, we're never, we might not ever be in this situation again, not just because of being in the NFC championship, but now everybody's going to be looking for the Lions next year. Like this year, they were the Cinderella. Like even when they were 12 and five and were a team that legitimately had a shot at, at the two seed and all that, 
they people looked at them as like, oh, it's just the Lions. But then they went in and they got to the NFC Championship game. But now next year, everyone's gonna be like, oh no, 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 that's Dan Campbell's Lions. We gotta be ready for them. And they do have decent amount of cap space. I think fifty-eight point six is the is the number that they have right now for um, from overthecap.com. Uh, but uh, when I but when I look at that, like it's no guarantee that they're gonna figure all of that out and just get right back to there. Other NFC teams are going to be getting better. What happens with the Eagles? Are they back in position? Uh, you know, the Packers with Jordan Love, you know, do, do, they, do they keep, make, make, keep yeah. making progress? There's a lot of questions there. So it's tough when you get your shot and you don't get it, especially when you let it slip through your fingers. Look what happened to the Falcons after their 28-3 to debacle in the Super Bowl. They did yeah. not recover well from that. We'll see how all that happens, uh, and we'll also get an updated look on on uh, the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama from Ray. Thanks again for everyone for tuning in to the North Shore Drive podcast. Thank you, Ray, for joining us. We'll be back here on Wednesday here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Reminder, the show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar. Thanks, Mike Beer Bar, for, for sponsoring us. Tune in all week long. We have our Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast, as well as our daily content from all of our different Post-Gazette sports writers on all the different topics. We'll see you again here on Wednesday on the North Shore drive podcast thank you for tuning in to another episode of the north shore drive podcast from the pittsburgh post gazette if you watch this video on youtube please like the video and subscribe to our channel for all the sports coverage from the post gazette that we have to offer visit post-gazette.com